Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. It's great to be in the house of God to worship and to praise. And we've been doing a series on faith. The last few weeks we've talked about faith sees, it speaks. We've uh, talked about the rest of faith, the fight of faith. Faith perseveres. Last summer. Today I want to talk about faith releases favour. Faith releases favour. That when we reach out and trust God, favour comes on your life and spreads to others. Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 10 in the Amplified says, But God, so rich is He in His mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us, Even when we were dead by our own shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself, the same new life with which He quickened Him. For it is by grace, His favour and mercy which you did not deserve, that you were saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of salvation. And He raised us up together with Him and made us sit down together giving us joint seating with Him. That's a great thought, isn't it? In the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He did this so that He might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of His free grace, His unmerited favour, that you are saved, delivered from judgment. For it is by, sorry we missed the line there, in His kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favour, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And uh, when I was praying on Friday morning, I just got these words coming in my heart. Faith releases favour. When you trust God with your life, His favour and blessing and presence comes in you and through you. And many of you have seen that over and over and over again. So I just want to remind you of how powerful this is. For some that maybe are on a new journey and still discovering this, and the enemy lies to you and say, oh, it's not worth the effort. Hey, it is worth the effort because faith in God releases favour and grace over our lives and everyone else gets affected. And it goes on and says, And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfilment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, Born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Wow, if you're struggling with purpose in your life and you get that in there, you're going to have a purpose. You're going to have a sense of value, of you belong. You're not drifting through life. We belong. And as we worship, I felt the Lord say, Today I'm going to help some people know they belong to His kingdom and they belong in the family of God and they belong in this church. No matter what the enemy has said, no matter what other people have said, God says when you have faith in Him, favour comes and you belong. 
He seats you with Him. You're not in the back row anymore. You're not behind the curtain. You're not left outside the door. He says, you can be seated with me in heavenly places. He brings you in. That's the favour of God that comes by trusting Him. Faith releases favour over your life, over our families. In in the NIV it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So salvation is a gift. His grace over our lives is a gift. His favour comes and you can't earn it, but you receive it and walk in it as you keep living by faith. If you say, well, God, I don't trust you and I don't believe it's true, you, you withdraw from that full favour of God over your life. And God's drawing us in and saying, hey, come on, let's live, let's sing it. I love that song, I'll raise a hallelujah. How powerful is that? You raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. It's the only word in every language that's not translated anything into anything else. I remember when we go to India, for those that have been to India, and you're speaking, there's interpreters, sometimes two different interpreters into different languages. But if you're getting a bit lost with the interpretation, it seems to drag on, just yell out a hallelujah, and the whole crowd just stands and says, Hallelujah! And it's like the whole tent or building just shakes. You do it two or three times, mate, you've woken up them and all the villages around. So about every 10 minutes in your sermon, you just yell out, hallelujah, and the whole place just erupts in praise. And and then you've got to try and get some order back to try and keep preaching again. Because they understand, they raise a hallelujah with all their voice. Same thing in Fiji, I remember going there and preaching. They'd do it three times in a row. And so the whole place, everyone would just be shouting at the top of their voice every five or ten minutes throughout the sermon. Your sermons went on for hours over there because they just kept shouting hallelujah. And it just kept everyone engaged. I thought, wow, we're a little bit too sedate here in Australia sometimes. We've got to let, let our raise a hallelujah, let our, our voices, our hearts, let our hearts and heads and voices all connect together and there's a freedom comes over our lives. Otherwise, we try to keep it just nice and and sensible and and just tone it down a bit. No, I think we need to raise it up a bit. That's why I love that song, Sing a Little Louder. Let it come out of the depths of your being. Faith releases favour. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that He is real and He rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking Him. I just want to say, hey, it's worth seeking God. There's freedom and there's favour overflows your life. Something happens when you're having a tough day and you start singing, worship to Jesus. Something starts to shift. The atmosphere shifts. You become a presence. He was there all the time, but now you become aware of Him. Your mind and your heart and your feelings and your thoughts start to focus in on Him. And then He gives you a sense of courage to face whatever might be trying to rob from you or steal from you. So what do we do with this faith? I just put down a couple of things that we can do with our faith. Number one, you need to stand firm in your faith. There's plenty of things will try and knock you off balance, get you distracted, overwhelmed, full of fear or discouragement. But the Bible says, stand firm in your faith. Romans 5.2 says, through him also we have our access, our entrance, our introduction by faith into this grace, the state of God's favour, in which we firmly and safely stand 
And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. So it says, stand firm in your faith through the grace and favour of God. The uh, Passion Translation says, our faith guarantees us permanent access into this most marvellous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Wow, we need to read that again. That is really out there. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvellous kindness that has been given, has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Wow, you've got something to sing about. We've got something to sing about. We've got something to celebrate because of the truth of this. Wow. It's, it, we've got this guarantee by our faith, by trusting God and not pushing it aside. As Trevor reminded us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We're the only ones that can do that by turning our back or walking away or saying, oh, it's too hard, I can't believe that. Nothing else will separate us except ourselves if we give in to the fears and the worries and the anxieties or listen to other voices. But it says there, it guarantees us what incredible joy in us as we keep on celebrating our hope. Wow, wow, wow. Stand firm in your faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14, he says, Paul says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. That's a really good command. Be, be on your guard, stand firm in your faith. Sometimes you sort of get, lose your focus. But when you start praising Jesus and praying, all of a sudden your focus starts to come back on Jesus. Do you know praise is, a, is an act of faith? Because we can't see Jesus. So we're praising someone we can't see with the natural eye. Praying is an act of faith because you're praying to someone who you can't physically see. So some of you say, well, I don't have much faith. Well, every time you sing a praise song, you're exercising faith. Every time you pray a prayer, you're exercising faith. Hey, come on, let's not put down our faith. Let's realise that God's given us the gift of faith and let it grow and see what He will do through us. We exercise faith every day. Isaiah 7.9, the last part of Isaiah 7.9 is a really interesting verse. If you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. I like the message version. If you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. That's true, isn't it? That if we, if we put aside our faith, what are we going to stand on? Our own thinking, the schemes of this world, other people's opinions, philosophies that are, are lies and deception. Hey, let's stand on the faith we have. Let's express it through our worship and prayer. Let's express it through the fruit of the Spirit flowing through our lives. Take a decisive stand, 1 Peter 5, 9. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack against the enemy with strong, vigorous faith. Wow. Sometimes we just sort of think, oh, having a tough day, the enemy's trying to rob from me. Hey, how about you get some strong, vigorous faith and deal with that? Speak in the name of Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not feeling real bright today, but God's still with me. And in Jesus' name, you have no right to try and steal from my family. We've got to get some authority and have some strong, vigorous faith in the promises of God. Don't let the enemy rob and just overwhelm you. We've got to get some strong, vigorous faith 
with our health and with the challenges of life. Strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles you endure. Everyone goes through challenges, temptations, fears, anxieties and worries. Be a warrior, not a worrier. Be a warrior of faith. Don't be a warrior and let your life just be swamped by stuff. Because 95% of the things you worry about never happen. And the other 5% are going to happen, so get prepared and stop wasting energy on the others that aren't going to happen. The enemy robs us. Worry undermines our faith and our trust. So I want to encourage you, stand firm in your faith. Number two, you've got to walk by faith. Remember that song? I walk by faith every step I take. Genesis 5.22, it says, After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch God 300 years. That's a long time. And had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Mate, some of us are flat out getting through 20 or 30, eh? <laughs> 365. Look at verse 24. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. One day he's out walking, praying, and he just walked straight into heaven. They never found his body. He just went straight to heaven. Oh, wow. That's a great promise, eh? He just out walking and one day he just walked straight up. The, he found the heavenly stairs and just kept on going. But it was because he walked faithfully with God. And it wasn't necessarily an escape from trial. He just, God just loved him and said, hey, you're ready to come home. 365 years, you've proved yourself on earth faithful. Come on home. I mean, how awesome is that? Wow. Genesis 6, 9 says, This is the account of Noah and his family, the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. It says God's favour and grace was over Noah. I mean, Noah was an amazing guy. God said, it's going to rain. Go and build a boat. It had never rained on the earth and they didn't need boats. So that was a pretty amazing command for Noah. So Noah says, God, how do I do it? So God showed him exactly how big it was and all the stories. And, and they've done research that's ever been made. That's why it could never sink in all those storms. And researchers and engineers have done all the sums and they built, they looked at the Titanic and all the other big and small boats and they said the dimension that God gave him was the exact percentages that would keep that thing afloat and it would, it would survive. But he had to build his boat. 120 years it took him to build it. Some of us give up after three months of a promise from God. Where's our faith? Come on. 120 years, all the time the people are ridiculing him, saying, where's this rain that's supposed to be coming, Noah? What's that thing you're building in your backyard? Do you have council permission to build that there? You got the environmental protection? You're taking trees out of the forest. What are you doing, Noah? You can imagine what would have went on. 120 years and he was preaching every day saying, get your life right because it's going to rain and God's going to judge the earth. He preached for 120 years at his lunch times and when they come around to check out his uh, ark, he kept getting on the ark. Did he fail? No, he succeeded because he did what God said and that saved the human race. So whether you see lots of people turn around or one or two or very few, if you're faithful to God, that's all he looks for. And I thought, wow, wow, 
God's favour was on Noah. What about the children of Israel? They walked through the Red Sea. They went through the Jordan River. It's interesting to note that Jesus got baptised in the Jordan River. And if you study history, it's almost the same spot as where the children of Israel walked through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. God reveals all these incredible truths. Walk the walk of faith, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley of life being overwhelmed. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Lord, in your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. Fear will never conquer me for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So whether you're on the mountaintop, whether you're out in the, the beach, whether you're walking on water like Peter and everything's just storms everywhere, whether you're walking through the deepest valley, just keep your eyes on him. And keep walking faithfully and you will see the favour of God come over your life. His grace is more than enough. So we stand firm in faith, we walk by faith and then we pray in faith. James 5.15 says, And the prayer that is of faith will save him who is sick. And the Lord will restore him and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven. Confess to one another therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offences, your sins... And pray also one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Wow, the power of prayer. Praying the prayer of faith. Not the prayer of worry, not the prayer of fear. As long as you start off there saying, God, how are we going to cope? How, how's this, our family and how's our society going to change? You can come out of a cry of desperation, but you've got to move to a prayer of faith. That's where things shift and change. The prayer of faith over your household and family. The prayer of faith, mums and dads, over your children, and over your extended family. The prayer of faith. Marilyn and I, every time the offering's taken, we pray by name over our kids and grandkids in those, that minute. We, for the last year or two, we name them all before God. Said, God bless them. Let your favour be on them. Let health and strength and protection be over them. Lord, provide them every financial need that they have. We've been doing it for a couple of years, a prayer of agreement. There's power in a prayer of agreement. And some of you need to step up and do, do it consistently. Don't just do it occasionally when there's a need. Do it consistently and the favour of God will be manifest. And many of you have proved that. In the Passion Translation it says, And the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for, <coughs> excuse me, for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Wow. The prayer of faith. And if you stand firm in faith and walk in faith, you'll know how to pray in faith. James 1.5 says, And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it. He won't see you lack, your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. 
just up there waiting with a big stick to scold us. Maybe brings back terrible memories of a harsh school teacher or some relative who just loved to find fault. God's not like that. He deals with the consequences of our lifestyles and he knows that sometimes you'll have consequences of reaping what you've sown, but he's there in grace and favour to bring you through into a place of freedom and victory. And it goes, he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. I love that. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. But can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? Wow, wow. The prayer, faith and believing. It says if you don't know how to do it, ask God for wisdom. And he's very good at teaching us. So we stand firm in faith. We walk by faith. We pray in faith. And I want to encourage you, when you're praying for people, believe that something's changing. I used to always pray and believe and, and there was a mixture of faith and hope. But about five years ago when God gave me the revelation that we live under an open heaven, you don't have to ask for that anymore. His favour is with us all the time. You've got to start because that's what the Word of God says. But we wrestle with our reasoning and our, our failures and our disappointments and our shame and our guilt. But I moved into a place so that every time I pray for someone now, I know something's shifting. I sometimes see it physically in front of me. But I know, if I don't see it in front of me, I know something shifted in their thinking. I know the enemy's grip is now decreased. I know something's changed in their lives. And so you, God says, pray the prayer of faith. And faith knows that the promises are coming to pass. And God wants us to move from prayers of hope and wishful thinking to knowing in the spirit that things are shifting and changing. And I believe that uh, all of us can live in that place. You'll have doubts and fears. But as you step up and pray that, you'll be amazed what happens. Fourth one, build up your faith. I love this one. Jude verse 20 and 21. Only one chapter. But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. Praying in the Spirit. That can be praying in that heavenly language of other tongues and that just charges me up like amazing. It's like plugging your mobile phone in on fast charge. You don't have to wait for two hours or overnight. Within 30 seconds, and your faith's just alive. Praying in the Spirit can also be not just praying in, in other tongues. It can be praying a Spirit-led prayer of faith for breakthrough. It can be just sensitively knowing where to pray and believe for something to shift, to be released, for truth to come where deception has ruled. And God brings us in that place. The message says, But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the centre of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Wow, wow, wow. Life, the real life. We see all these reality shows on television that aren't reality shows at all. 
Most of them are scripted and contrived and just for fear and strife. And I just refuse to watch nearly all of them now because I think they're just terrible. They start off a cooking shows and now they're just melodramas of strife and fear and torment and destruction of people's personalities. I can't, I can't imagine why lots of people still watch them and the advertisers still advertising them because they are not anywhere near substance of truth. God wants us to live real lives, not pretend lives, not false lives. Some people live unreal lives on their Facebook and their Instagram. They put up all the highlights, but they never tell about all the lowlights of their life. And so they're actually presenting an unreal world to the, everyone else. And we've got to be careful we don't live unreal lives. We live real lives of honesty, of truth, of faith, and of God's grace working in and through our lives. I believe God wants us to live true, honest lives of faith. I'm not against putting up some nice photos, celebrating family events. But make sure that we don't do that to impress others to think my life's perfect. That's the danger. Let's live honest, real lives. Before our God. And lastly, if you've got faith, share it. Share it. And as soon as I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a preacher, hey, just share out of who you are. I love the story of the four men who carried their paralyzed man to Jesus. You know, I just think that's an amazing story. Every time I read it, I get something else out of it. His four guys had such great faith and they'd heard that Jesus was coming. They'd heard he'd heal people. So they got on the stretch and says, hey, you're coming with us. Now, there's no story to tell us whether the guy was even keen to come or not. If he was paralyzed, he was a social outcast. He never mixed much. This would have been, said, they said, there's a big crowd. Jesus is there. He might have been saying, no, 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 I don't want to go. But he was paralyzed, so they just loaded him on the stretcher and off they went. We don't know, but there was probably some of that playing out in that story. I love reading the behind the story that's not always described. But he would have been in that state. Or he may have had stirring in his heart saying, I've heard one of my other mates got healed. Let's go. We don't know. But they got there and the house is packed and they can't get in and it's crazy. They could have given up. They said, hey, we've walked this 5Ks carrying this heavy dude. We're not going to go home and carry him back. I want to see Jesus get him healed so he can walk back and carry his own stretcher. And that's what happened. So they, they went up the outside stairs, found, made a hole in the roof, lowered him down. And Jesus there preaching, having an amazing meeting, just like this. And next minute, the roof opens. There's a guy hanging off four ropes on a stretcher in front of him. All the religious leaders saying, who's interrupting this meeting? The owner of the house saying, who's wrecking my house? I thought I was being really generous, opened my house for this gospel meeting, and now my house is getting destroyed. Jesus saw all that going on, the unbelief of the people, and he saw the guy. And do you know what he said? In Mark 2, verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, He said to the paralysed man, My son, your sins are now forgiven. Then there's the whole debate with the religious leaders and can he forgive sins? He says, well, just to show you I can, I'll heal him and raise him up, but then you'll know his sins are forgiven as well. But the whole trigger of this event was them sharing their faith by carrying their friend to Jesus. Wow, I love that. So if you've got a faith, let's share it. Let's live it out by our actions, our words, our lifestyle, inviting people to church, going to their place, loving on them, sharing the hope of Jesus, praying a prayer of faith with them, because as you share it, 
Jesus is going to show up and say, hey, if you've reached out with that sort of faith, I can't resist pouring favour on this person, this friend, this family member, this someone you've met in the community. Wow, wow. That's not hard, is it? You don't have to try and preach and answer the 10 most difficult questions of why they should or shouldn't believe in Jesus. Just share your faith. Just carry them to Jesus. We have to carry them down the street today. Thankfully, we've got cars. You can go and say, hey, I'll pick you up and bring you to church on Sunday night. Come and experience some real life. It's amazing what God can do. Matthew 12, 2 says, Look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who births faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.